¿Listo, va? Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's do this, Iris. Ready. All right, let's do this. Iris López, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us today. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited. And it was like five minutes away from my house. So that's, I know. That's and, and I was asking you, right, when we started, like, I'm, I'm sure you live on the west side as well. Because nine out of ten people live on the west side, the people that I've that have um, come to the podcast. So I'm like, maybe that's a common denominator. Instead of me asking so many questions about success, I should just move to the west side. <laughs> but yeah, I should just move over there. I work on the west side, but no, I still live on the east side. There you go. All right, so very excited. I was telling you there's a lot of topics that I mm -hmm. want to cover. Um, there's a list of people that I got when I started thinking about the idea. And then there's others that, well, the same list, but I wanted to make sure that I was ready when it comes to kind of like already had a few in that I was already more, not that I'm an expert. Mm -hmm. You'll see that I'm not an expert uh, for sure, but a little uh, more familiar with what I'm doing and I'm able to carry a conversation that people get value and yourself mm -hmm. as well. I was telling you my number one priority is for you to uh, find this valuable, not only on the things that you're going to share, but maybe something that, um, that again, some, someone else can benefit from for extremely excited about today definitely let's get started let's with uh, talk to us a little bit about who you are what you do just in case someone doesn't know who iris lopez is so i am a currently right now i work as a weather anchor so my day job a weather anchor and a tv reporter for kba tv in el paso texas i've been doing that for about six years now um, most recently, I've added a uh, founder for a nonprofit organization, Mija, Yes You Can. It's a women empowerment organization that we provide scholarships. We're actually going to start finally being able to provide our first scholarship to women in the community. We also just give resources, create workshops, conferences, and help other nonprofits in the area. Kind of just, you know, motivate women. You can do what you want to do, and we're here to support you. We're kind of like their cheerleaders. Um, I'm also most important job ever, a mom, to a 10. He's going to be 11 already in May. 11, I'll say 10. I'll stick with 10 still. Stick with 10. 10-year-old <laughs> little boy, um, Jacob. He's my pride and joy, and he is a mama's boy, and he is a full-time job. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, just before we um, we start recording, like, how can you manage so many things? And what is the answer to that? How do I, you I, manage? I can't. I can't. <laughs> Sometimes I'll have my family telling me, you need to stop. You need to take a break. Um, a workaholic. It's I joking. People jokingly say that, but I literally have a problem. It's I'm a workaholic. But like I was telling you earlier, I had to finally say no to someone and I was and the world didn't end. I was like, look at that. You said no to someone and you won't be stressed out that day now. But they'll still invite you to another event. Nice. By the way, I'm so glad you started saying no after you said yes I know. to the podcast. <laughs> when you said that, I'm like, oh, my God, perfect Imagine. timing. <laughs> I just started it today. Yeah, yeah. I was like, perfect timing. <laughs> All right, Iris. Well, definitely we'll talk about your project, why you started your mm -hmm. son, um, everything about your personal life, anything that you want to share, of course. But let's get started with um, growing up. Um, how was your childhood? It was great. It was good. I had a good childhood. How many siblings do you have? It's five of us. So I'm mm. the middle child. And when okay. I tell people that, they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Because <laughs> people think I'm, they say I'm weird, I'm quirky, I'm this and that. And I'm like, well, you know, I had two older sisters and a uh, younger sister and a younger brother. So, you know, a part of me had to be older sometimes and then I had to be younger sometimes. So I'm a little bit of everything. I'm all over the place. Um, born and raised here in El Paso, East Side. I actually live a neighborhood away from my parents, which is nice sometimes. But then sometimes it's not because they'll just casually walk in whenever. And I'm like, I'm trying to relax. But um, yeah, born and raised here. Went to Montwood High School. Yes. Um, you graduated from UTEP. Uh, growing up, I always had a passion for music. 
I wanted to be the next Britney Spears. I love telling that story. Go for and it. Now, was it singing? Was yes, it playing a, an instrument? Okay. So singing is what I started with. I was in choir. Um, most recently, I would work. Uh, I would work with young kids. I would give them private uh, singing lessons before I started the nonprofit. I was, uh, I needed a way, you know, journalism doesn't pay a lot. So I had to find another way to kind of make some more money because I was living on my own, had my son and I would do private lessons, you know, and I actually got, I had eight students, which was a lot for someone who just started it by promoting it on Facebook, you know, but then how long did you do that for? I did that for about over a little over a year for sure. Maybe about almost two years. And then the pandemic hit Mm. and we obviously had to cancel them. So I canceled them. And I was starting to do virtual, but it just it just wasn't the same. And then I started the Miha project, so I kind of like I had to decide. Unfortunately, right, I was like, "Am I going to keep doing this? Am I going to do this?" So the Miha project was going so well that I was like, you know, I only had at that time one or two students, so I was like, "I'm going to have to put a pause on it right now. Maybe later I could come back." But is is that a part of the plan to come back to that? Oh yeah, eventually? I'd love to. I'd love to eventually when, but I'd like to do it in person because virtual, it's just not. The, it's just not the same, you know. I would have students. We would just be chatting the whole time, which was nice. I mean, it was nice for them to have an escape too. But I'm like, okay, well, we got to do what your parents are paying me to, <laughs> to teach you. So that's, that's funny. Did you ever pursue that professionally? I know, of course, you did because now you're getting paid for that. But I mean, like an actual career you singing that you I originally did want to be as like a singer I didn't know what I wanted to well, I want to be the next Britney Spears but I was like let me go to music school see how else I can do it I would audition for other music schools colleges that theater arts and music um, and then at 18 I actually got sick I had it's funny people don't believe me but I had iritis google it everyone can google you tell it. us what that is so it was Brief. like an inflammation behind the eye but they didn't know what it was. It was 18 and I my eye vessel popped. And so, you know, when people, they're like, it's just all red. But for me, it popped and we're like, whatever. And then I started getting pounding headaches, like ridiculous to the point where I would lock myself in my room. The light would be off and no one could make noise. It was like, it was migraines. So we didn't know what it was. My parents took me to the hospital. They had to admit me just because they had to put me like, they were like, we don't know. You know, my parents thought the worst. So I was in and out of the hospital for like about a month and um, I was going to school for music and then all I could do in the hospital was watch the news and I was watching Gary Warner's De La Casas. I was like, you know, that's something I could do too. I think I can do that. And really? When you're yeah. in the hospital, that's when you start? Because yeah. that you're going to my next question by the way. How okay. I, no, that's exactly. Like I always had a passion. Me and my sisters uh-huh. growing up, my dad would always lend us his video camera and we would always pretend to be the news. We would play school. We would play the news. And my sisters were always the anchors. And I was the weather girl. But I didn't go to school for weather. But I just by chance was the weather girl because they wanted to be the anchors. So I had a passion for like doing something it's like it's in a way performing when we're in te- you know anchors. on the spotlight right yeah, is that- yeah sort of deal kind of but so then yeah i when i was in the hospital i so it's like i could do something like that and i so i changed my major to from music to multimedia journalism okay now you're telling me that this is something again i don't understand this disease i don't know exactly what it is but how did it affect your wanting to pursuing your singing career um, well, just that I think after, or because actually after, and my parents actually thought it was stress related that made me get this because I was in a musical and I was still going to school. So see, even back when I was 18, I was a workaholic and, um, I actually had to stop doing the musical 
stuff afterwards because I didn't have time because I was always going in and out. And then they actually put me on steroid medication. So for a year, I was, when you're on steroids, your face just blows up. I broke out and I was just horrible. And I, so I never wanted that to happen again. So yeah, I just felt like, you know, journalism was something else I would want to do because I would write music. So I was like, I, I can write. I know how to write. I know how to talk, use my, vo- it was using my voice because when you're on TV, you know, you're kind of, I always tell people, I'm like, you got to kind of sing. It doesn't make sense, but it makes sense in my head the way we talk. We're talking, I don't know. That's, no, no, it, that's so interesting because now you mention it. I mean, you have to have a rhythm, right? To yeah. be able to communicate with the audience. That's when, what I'm thinking you're trying to say with yeah, that. And sort it of. makes perfect sense. Okay, so let's go back a little bit as far as high school. I know you, you graduated from Montwood. Talk to us about your high school experience. What type of girl you were in high school? Let, at the beginning, I was shy and very quiet, very quiet. And then my senior year, I think, is when I, like, blossomed, I would say. I was in choir. I was um, stubborn. You can ask my choir teacher. I was always, you know, stubborn, sarcastic, but I enjoyed doing choir, and I, I felt like I was good at it. And that's where, you know, I got the passion for music. Um, and then, yeah, towards the end, I just blossomed a little bit more. I guess me and my friends were just... We would just do a lot more activities and we would hang out more. And then college years, I was just more talkative and more outgoing. And now you can't shut me up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now let's go back to, okay, you wanted to be on TV, right? Mm -hmm. But what was the reason behind that? Was it only the spotlight? Was it specifically news? Was it something locally? What was it that that maybe caught your attention? You wanted to pursue this um, and and actually change your major to that? that. I wanted to tell stories, honestly. Um, I don't think like being on TV was ever my goal, you know, it just so happened that, you know, you would be on TV, but to tell people stories is what I wanted to do because when I would write music, I was telling my stories through the song. So I felt like I could, you know, tell other people's stories through news. Nice. Now I graduated from marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, I don't have to call them the curriculums or, or like the, 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 some of the first classes that you must take for, for marketing and advertising. I had a lot of friends, again, uh, going for uh, journalism uh, as well. So we share a lot of those classes. Mm-hmm. And what I was talking to Keenan Wheeler about is what is it that made you special to be able to be now in the job that you want because what i noticed that a lot of people that maybe have that degree somehow some way they ended up doing something different Different. so what is it that you have that has enabled you to be at the place where you're at right now i think most recently lately people have told me um i'm able to be relatable to the to the viewers to um it doesn't sound like i'm being fake and that's the best compliment anyone can ever give me you know I thought you were going to be like a fake person. You're real. You're a real person. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. So I feel like I can, I don't know, like, I'm not, it, most people think, you know, we're on the TV, we're robots, this and that. And, you know, sometimes there's people that don't want to show their emotions, this and that. But I don't, I, I'm going to relate to the people. If they're crying, I'll probably cry with them. If they're screaming and cheering, I'll probably cheer with them. So I just felt like I could kind of give that I give me my personal self put it in what I do okay now after you graduate from college walk us through how you were able to land this job here so actually I started so after when I was getting towards the end of my college career internships I was going to take an internship class Um, I applied for ABC 7 KBIA but I didn't get it and then I applied for 104.3 hit FM 
And that story's funny. I love Dario Rodriguez. Dario, the delicious one, will always agree with this one. I emailed them. Didn't get a response. I was like, I'm going to find him on Facebook because I know y'all are on Facebook. <laughs> and I think I had emailed Johnny, but Johnny gets like millions of requests and this and that. And so I didn't get a reply from him until later when finally I worked there. I was like, yeah, you haven't accepted my friend request. He's like, girl, I got millions. And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. Um, But Dario, I kept messaging him. And then finally he was like, okay, we'll take your application. And then he didn't get back to me. I would email him again. Finally, I would call. I would call again. He was like, you would not leave me alone. And I was like, let's just bring her in here and interview her. I was like, but my persistence paid off, didn't it? And he was like, yeah, it did. It's a funny story. I wouldn't, I didn't stop bugging him, but I got the internship there. And after my internship, I remember I went to him and I was like, can I have a job here? And yeah, sure. And that's how you got a job there. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. And and again, I know I know the way you're telling it, just like the way I am. Well, again, the, the, the way you're describing um, how it happened, but the importance of having persistence and oh, not yeah. giving up. Where, where does that come from? Looking back, is it your parents? Oh, is yeah. it something that you just wanted that job? Of course, but where, where exactly does it come oh, no, from? It's if my you parents. Back? All of it, it's definitely my parents. Because even to this day, they will tell me, no, like, I'll say, no, I make up excuses. No, I, they're probably going to say this and that. You never know. Try What's the worst that can happen? So, yeah, for them, they were like, if you really want it, get it. And I remember, I think, when I was going to ask for the job, my parents, you know, I had to sit down like, I want to ask for the job, but I'm not sure this and that and this and that. They were like, just ask. What's the worst they, they can say? No. Okay. I tried. At least you tried. So, definitely my parents. And and it's, it's that, that situation that I've ever since then... I'm not afraid to, you know, bug people or be persistent. I mean, I don't do it. I understand when sometimes I'm not going to go over the line, but I always tell people, I'm like, you got to bug them. You got to yeah. And you're not afraid to get those no's, right? I'm oh, sure. Oh, no, I love, sometimes I love it when I get those no's because it <laughs> makes me feel even more determined. Really? And sometimes those no's later on will come back and they'll need me for something else. So I'm like, remember when you told me no and I didn't give up? Well, I'm still here. I can still help you out because, you know, I, we, and in the end, we all will still need each other somehow nice okay well we're definitely coming back to that because i know that's playing a big role in what you do mm -hmm. right now of course but let's go uh to your radio um time i don't know how long you were there but tell us about your experience what exactly were you doing there so i was there for three years mm -hmm. um i started the over the graveyard shift so obviously that you know they already had their set djs johnny and javi in the morning dario in the afternoon they had dj puhef in the night so they're like well we can start you off overnight which was oof what Horrible shift are we shift. talking about? 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. <gasps> yeah. So it was. it's funny, though, because I would get all the, like, drunk people. But then my friends would call in. They're like, <laughs> play this song for me. And it, it was just funny. So it was fun. I learned to cope with it. At this time, though, I had my son. And so he was about two years old. So he was a baby. But oh my, but my parents were like, no, we'll, we'll watch him. We'll take care of him for you. So that helped me out a lot because I was living with them at the, at the time. So I did that for not too long i did it for a while though. well you were still going to college right yeah i was still in school you had another job as well you at one point you had two jobs while you're still going to college what was the other job that you had i think at that time i was at i might have been logan's a server yeah because before radio yeah i was just doing serving jobs and actually serving is what helped me with speaking learning how to speak to people sometimes i'm like i, I kind of miss it because like when i go to the restaurants i'm looking at them i'm like 
kind of miss this. And people, they know I'm a server because at the end of the day, I mean, at the end of our meal, I gather all the plates and I put it at the end and they'll be like, you were a server, weren't you? I'm like, yes. Yeah, of course. (laughs) By the way, it's funny that you're mentioning this because I always tell people the best job ever is when I was a waiter. Oh, it was, it's fun. It it teaches you. And I actually learned some Spanish. I wouldn't say I'm fluent in Spanish, but from working at IHOP because it was the old IHOP by Cielo Vista Mall. So we would get a lot of people from Juarez that were doing their shopping and they'd go there. So I learned, you know, tocino, huevos, <laughs> this and that, like stuff that I, I didn't know because, you know, my parents wouldn't really speak Spanish. So and I was forced to, you know, because I was like, well, they're going to tip me at the end of the day. So let me teach me how to say this and that. And sometimes they appreciated it, too. Yeah. But I was trying it's so fun to be. Oh, yeah. If you're thinking about becoming a waiter or not, definitely that's a must. Oh, that's it helps you out it, a lot. It helps you not be nervous, talk, learn how to talk to people. And you meet people, too. There's people that I think I'm on friends with Facebook. And I'm like, how did I? Oh, yeah, I met him when I was at Logan's and told him I worked for the radio. Didn't believe me, followed me. And now I follow his life. And he's like out of town or something. But really? it's funny. Like, yeah, how that happens. Wow. Okay. I, um, I'm sure you know where Andal is at, right? Mm-hmm. The first time they opened, I was one of the, like the main waiters there. Yeah. And it was, th- th- I remember, and I'm sure where you work, like they have their specific areas that there's more people that you make more money, right? So you have to fight about that. Yeah. But then everything's good. And then, oh my God, it's so much fun. Like we can talk about this for oh, yeah. hours. Every, so and every, and the best stories are like, when I was a waiter. Yeah. Yes. And then after hours. Yes. Those were it, those. I think when you're a waiter, a server, even bartenders yeah. too, it shapes you and probably who you are now. Oh, for sure. And then at the end of the shift, when you start counting your money, like oh, yes, that's like and the that was the th- cool thing too. You yeah. always went home with money, you know, and yeah. all dollar bills, but but that still, was money. I know I would go to Target <laughs> and be like, I promise I'm not a stripper. I am a server. But people <laughs> will say you're either one of the either or. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge. Oh, that's so funny. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now going back to what you do now. What's the hardest part of being a you know, weather anchor? When I when I think about it, I'm like, when I was thinking of my question, like, okay, I had Keenan on. I know you also do other type of reporting, mm-hmm. which, of course, you're under stress, looking for the news and all that. But specifically in what you do, what is the hardest part of your job? Um, the hardest part is the viewers. The viewers. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, you need the to explain weather. That, like, everywhere I go, I can never clock out because even with masks. It's funny. Yesterday, I was grocery shopping and I had my mask on. Didn't think, but but at the same time, I was wearing the same outfit that I had worn on air. And I was getting some groceries, and I could see the reflection, and there was a man behind me. And he was just there, and then he stopped, and I was just like, is this, am I in his way? And he's like, hi, hi. And I just didn't, he's like, Iris Lopez? I was like, <laughs> turn around, he's like, I just wanted to say hi, I watch you all the time, this and that. And, you know, that was it, and it was sweet. I love that. I. But then you get those people who are like... Why is it not sunny today? Or they'll complain. They get mad and at me. And are they serious? First yes. of all, they're like, it's not like, hey, by the way, you missed on the one. No. no, they're serious about no, it. No, and you'll get some that just, that are trying to joke around, but it doesn't come off as that. And I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to enjoy myself, man. Like, they'll get, you'll get the people that joke around. I'm just messing with you. I love watching you. And so I understand like, okay, you know. And I'll joke, I'll joke around too. You know, if you're sarcastic with me, I'm going to be sarcastic with you too. I'm <laughs> off the clock. So I think that honestly is, the, you know, you, we, it's honestly when I tell people it's, it's, really? you get those viewers that will just email you for every little thing that I do wrong. Really? 
and okay. it gets tiring at times. Okay, this started, you started what you do right now six years ago. How long did it take you for those emails to reach you for like the, for you being recognized outside of work? How long was that after you started working? Oh, right, right away because I was, because when you're a weather anchor, we're on TV more. Mm-hmm. So, and then I started working the weekend morning shift. So I was on a lot Saturdays and Sundays. And I honestly tell people that's where most people would recognize me from. They didn't even know I reported Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. They're just like, you're the weekend morning girl. So that's honestly where I now I work the weekend nights and we still have people that that watch. But, you know, weekend nights, you're usually out and about. But yeah, I remember right at the beginning, you know, we'd get friend requests, people, I guess, searching me and this and that. So And then you're also very active on social media, right? So I'm sure you also get recognized a lot by that. And then from the radio station, too, we had people follow me from radio, too. Some of them still call me Lily, which I love still. I'll still respond to Lily. I like it. People are like, oh, I'm sorry. That's not your name. And I'm like, no, but that was that's like my alter ego. So that's fine. Lily is still there. Why did you create that personality or? Yeah, actually. uh, So Joey, Joey C. Radio, he was. um. I call him my mentor because he was the one who worked there and he's the one who helped me um, get my radio voice. Because people think, you know, being on the radio, it's just about talking. And no, you have to have like a certain voice. You have to have a certain energy. If I listen to my my air checks from when I first started to the end, it's complete. It's night and day. What's the biggest difference? I at the beginning, I sounded very like this, like very monotone. Hey, guys, you're listening to 104. But I thought I sounded... You know, and then at the end, I'd have my my radio voice like, hey, guys, it's Lily Lopez. You're hanging out with, you know, so it's like a difference. I was able to create my personality. And actually, Joey, he so at the beginning, before we make the announcement that I was going to be on, they asked, you know, are you going to want to go by Iris Lopez? But he was like, it doesn't roll off. It doesn't roll off of our tongues. You know, you're going to have to say it every time. Like, hey, it's 104.3 Hit FM, Iris Lopez hanging out with you guys. He's like, what about Lily? Lily Lopez. And I was like, you know what? That's so it it just like flowed. Really? Yeah. Lily and Lopez. When you walked in, as we were just having our initial conversation, and I as I did my research, I saw also Lily and I like, that's so weird because her, that Iris and Lily don't go, you know, mm-hmm. Marco Antonio, Jose, something. Yeah, okay. people think it's like my middle name. Yeah, yeah. so I'm like, mm, okay, interesting here. I'm not gonna tell you, tell her, but now that you said that <laughs> no, that's exactly. not your middle name, like, okay. It makes sense. Okay. So it's my, yeah, it's my nickname. Yeah, it's your nickname. What's the biggest difference, of course, uh, aside from the obvious TV and radio of the of you being on radio and now that you're on TV, you're still communicating, you're still talking to people. But aside from the factor that, of course, people are seeing you or hearing you, what are some of the differences that, um, that there's there between radio and TV, Whoa. specifically what you do? Specifically for, I noticed it too, on radio, you can, you're allowed to, be more free. You can talk about a lot. You can talk about politics. You can talk about anything. Um, TV, you know, where we can't be biased. We can't. So we have to be careful what we talk about. Um, as far as politics are concerned, as far as, you know, current events that are happening, we have to. It, and, it, and it sucks, but I, I kind of understand it. We can't really have an opinion much on social media. We have to be very careful, you know. Sometimes, you know, I can't even be on there taking shots of this and that because, you know, we're still a public figure. Radio, it's a little bit different because radio, it's a little bit more fun and more informal. I'm thinking, yes, it's right? more informal. So you know, you you expect I would be out at the bars with my radio family, and you know, everyone expected that for me. Now, well, people, I think people, I guess for me, it helped that I came from radio. I went from radio to TV, so people still understood that I was still that fun person. 
they didn't meet me just as straight for straight to TV, you know. So I think that helped. But um, yeah, definitely you have to be more conservative more. Is this because of the audience? Maybe older people watch TV, younger people listen to radio. What, 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 what do you think this is, the dynamic, the difference between that? Um, I don't know. No, I think it's just because, yeah, we, we do. We definitely do have older people that watch TV. Yeah, you know, young people, when I tell my job, they're like, I'm sorry, I don't watch news. And I'm like, that's fine. Trust me. That's perfectly fine. Um, so, yeah, it's just, yeah, older people. And obviously, they don't want to hear me talk about on the news about this because they don't agree with it. And it's like, because we're supposed to be giving one-sided. So I understand that. Okay. It took a while to realize, you know, can't say this, can't do that, can't. But eventually I got it. Okay, how did you get it? Is there a reason? Well, of course, this um, this time that you had to adapt to it. Um, what was the hardest part adapting to that? Learning that, okay, maybe I can't post when I'm drinking or maybe uh, I, I need to be careful as far as giving all my opinions. Um, how long did it take you for you to, okay, adapt to that? Was that a, an easy transition or, or was there maybe instances that you were, I don't know, um, under heat for saying something? Uh, was there something... There was like a situation, mm -hmm. I won't go into detail, but um, for me, I wasn't very political. So that wasn't anything I had to, you know, I didn't really talk about politics, religion on a daily basis anyway. So that wasn't really anything that I needed to work on. Um, it was, yeah, just, you know, the hanging out, going out part because, you know, you don't want to be out and then they see you and they're like, well, I just saw her out last night, This, you know. So, and I had posted something and yeah, whatever happened and yeah, I got heat for it i didn't do anything wrong though but you still got heat for it and i understand i understood their side kind of halfway but i was like okay i need to so sometimes when i take pictures and i have to push the drinks i'm not doing anything bad but and i think one time i was at a a beer festival downtown i was hanging out i was off uh, i was with family we were at a beer festival a local event it was a kleq one and someone commented um very professional that's not a professional look on this and that and i was and it was on my personal page yeah and i just my all so all my family saw that and they were like is that what you deal with and i'm like yes i can't even be out enjoying one glass of beer i'm not even driving you know but i just deleted the comment you know you'll, you'll never win you'll never win i had to learn that the hard way yeah how long did it take you to learn that Ooh, about maybe two years Yeah. And yeah, they would. I want people to tell me, you're never going to win. You are just never going to win. It's a battle. You have to pick and choose your battles. So sometimes I'll just like their comment or I've learned to, you can't fight back with them. Just thank you for your opinion. You're allowed to, your opinion, you know, but you're also allowed to turn off the TV or change the channel. Is you it know? still frustrating when you get that from time to time? It doesn't oh, yeah. sound like you get it often, but when you do, oh, is no, it still bothering you, even often. though that you learn that, okay, I'm not going to let it bother me, but at the same time, at that moment, for 10 seconds, oh, I'm yeah, sure there's to, something yeah. at all. Like, no, oh, before really? I would cry. I remember one time I cried. I just broke down because some lady emailed me on behalf of her and her husband. I think it was just her. And she said that I looked very unprofessional because I was bottom heavy and that I had thunder thighs, which actually was a compliment because I didn't. Have, I was What like, is that if you don't want me asking? Like, like big thighs, okay, you okay, know, okay. Like, like a Jennifer Lopez type of deal. So I was like, why, thank you. But she just went off on how it's very unprofessional for you when you turn to the side, this and that, you know, and I'm a Latina. I am proud of my curves. And I thought, do I have to? I was actually a size zero, but I had curves. 
you know? So I was like, so what does she want me to, to be anorexic? Because I'm not going to lose my curves if I stop eating. So um, I remember I cried that night and I, my boyfriend at the time, uh, he worked with TV and TV news with me, but he didn't get, he would not get half, half of what I would get. And I just cried and cried. And he was just like, wow, that like, you guys get that? And I'm like, yeah. And it, I think after that night, I had to realize I was going to write back an angry response. And they were like, go to sleep, wake up the next day, see how you feel. I was still upset. I was still hurt. Obviously, if I still tell the story six years later, but I didn't reply. I deleted the email. I wish I would have kept it, though, just, you know, for well, to I'm look sure back it's on it. somewhere there, by the way, in the Who know, yeah. I had to I because I at one point I would keep all of them. Uh-huh. And I would go back and I was like, what are you, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, just delete them. Just don't even, you know, but after that, I had to learn, you can't let someone's opinion of you. And that's been hard. I care too much about what people think, but I realized you can't let what they're not paying. They're not paying rent to be in your head and they're not paying your bills. So they can have, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You can love me. You can hate me. You cannot care for me, you know, but I got to understand that let them have their opinion but don't let it take over your life because at the end of the day they don't they don't care they forgot what they said two days ago and i'm over here still i'm over here six years still talking about it yeah no <laughs> and it's funny because again i'm sure that there's sometimes that maybe they do hit on a insecurity or something that maybe yes. you also kind of like um have thought about it or maybe something that you grew up thinking that maybe I, I don't know what 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 good example to give but sometimes when they hit that nerve and they don't know and that's the thing we're real people yeah. and that's we're on tv but we're not perfect we're real people we're going through through life too so yeah when you email me that i said a word wrong this and that maybe i don't know how to say that word i still don't know how to say donna anna doniana <laughs> I, I still don't know and so I won't say it, <laughs> but I'm like, I, we try, but sometimes, you know, we're real people. We have feelings too. And, and it's unfortunate. There was a point, I think, where a lot of, um, I, I follow a bunch of pages on Facebook with journalists, a bunch of them, you know, were committing suicide because it was just tough. They were on screen and people would insult them. And the, the job in itself is hard. You know, journalists are not okay right now. We got the pandemic happening. We had you know, the past few years where the media was the enemy and we still are, you know, according to some people. So you put that on top of that and then you have people telling us what we should look like. I get yelled at so many times for wearing sleeveless shirts and I'm like, that's all I find at the store. You know, so let me live my life. Really? Wow. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but we have to remember, you know, they have to remember we're real people too. Yeah, and I'm sure that it also, it's a good reminder for you to see that, I mean, if they are worried, like the audience or whoever's sending you this type of things, if they're worried about someone else aside from themselves, the big problem is them. Not, oh, no, you know, yeah. Also. And we'll still, you know, when people message us on Facebook, I'm going to go to your page and look at you and be like, you're judging me. Let me judge you and say, you know, no, you, you have no reason to be judging me. Sometimes it's a picture of a car or a cat or something. And I'm like, you don't even have a picture. Yeah, I want to tell this story for like the fifth time already in this podcast. <laughs> but when I first started, I'm, I'm usually, even though I graduate marketing advertising, and even though I'm very confident, outgoing, but I don't share a lot of my stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't, right? 
But then because of, 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 of this podcast, because of my business that I want to promote, my brand and everything else that I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing, I'm putting myself out there more, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing that I, I'm, I'm telling my daughter and, and a couple of friends that I want someone, okay, and, and again, this is where I have to be careful because not that I want, right? But I want someone to hate on me, to like put an ugly comment out of your accent, you mispronounce <laughs> this, you said that, you look stupid, what are you doing? I want something so I can prove to my daughter and myself that, you know what, it can't hurt me, right? Because I always preach that, that you know what, as long as you're good, you're good. But since I haven't actually received something, you I'm like, like, you can't. Yes. <laughs> no, but you still, you still can't. <laughs> Don't wish for it, because then when you get it, you're going to be like, just, just send someone my way. Just so <laughs> I create a fake account. account. Just, just, no, it's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> just to say I'm, something. You know, and then I will it. clip this. <laughs> I will tell you that I don't edit the podcast, but this will be deleted. This <laughs> just section, this part. Right? That's so funny. Okay. Now, I wanted to bring up two quick things, because you said about your personal brand. Basically, you need to take care of your brand, mm-hmm. who you are, right? Because of what you do, you just have to deal with it. But then, and I'm sure you're going to know who I'm talking um, about, there's also this, I won't say if it's weather, sports, or just news in general, but there was, or there is this personality that it was, he's famous, or she was famous for for being out and drinking and then doing, like, the news or, or working on TV, right? And I'm like, that's so cool. If First of all, if he doesn't get negative feedback uh, comments either from from the audience or maybe from their boss because that means that we are able to tell apart that hey he's off the clock he's doing whatever he's doing whatever we don't care but then it sounds like or maybe he did get in trouble for doing that you know what i'm talking about yeah i think right now and this is what i tell my younger co-workers we have social media now we have videos that you can edit now. We have videos. It's just there's just too much at stake for us. So that's why sometimes I'm like, you never know who's recording. You never know who's watching and you never know who has bad intentions. So unfortunately, I go out there always thinking, you know, and I hate it because sometimes there'll be phones up. And actually, me and my friend one time, we were like, are they recording us? I don't think so. But that's just how our mind is, you know? And so we're like, we're never doing anything really bad. And sometimes they'll tell me, they're like, should you be drinking at this event? And I'm like, I'm off the clock and I'm just drinking a cocktail. And they invited me to the event, you know? So, you know, we run through it. But yeah, that's the, you, it, it's, we're a brand. for at a point. Yeah, at I think point. at the beginning. And then once, like now, I think I'm used, I'm used to it. It's, you know, it's, we build our brand when you're on TV, you know, you are your own brand. And it's, you know, if I... It's just a job. That, it's another job that I got to do to make sure that I can keep my yeah. my job that I have. Wow. Okay. It's part of the job, basically. Yeah, it right? is. It nice. is, yeah. Do you also deal with a lot of men leading um, oh. you up on your DMs, on your yes. messages, on your emails? How do you deal with that? That is... That you got you to gotta hit them with kindness, but sometimes that's the thing, too. That's the, you know, the double standard. Well, I don't respond to them. I am. Can I cuss on here? Yeah, for sure. I don't respond to them. I am a conceited bitch. Um, I do respond. So, okay, let me respond to you. Thank you very much for your your kind message. I really appreciate that you watch me. But I'm not, you know, ask me to coffee or something. You know, I don't, I don't want to. I say it in a nice way. And they'll be like, well, I just want to be your friend. I don't want to date you. And I'm like, I didn't say I was going to date you either. But I, I, it's just not something we do. I'm not going to, everyone who offers to take me out to coffee, dinner, it's just not something I'm going to do. But to them, we're being conceited. We're being stuck up. You know, I remember I had one emailer. One person messaged me saying that he thought I was someone else. And even his children were like, she's so conceited. She's so stuck up. 
and he told me what event it was at. It was my dad's company picnic party. I was there with my boyfriend. I had just gotten off of work. So I worked the overnight shift and from six o'clock in the morning to about nine. And I didn't have time to rest, had to get ready. So I was tired and I just wanted to be with my family. And I guess he was trying to say hi to me, but he said my face looked like I was mad. I wasn't mad. But he attempted to say hi, but I didn't. And I don't remember. And he was like, you were rude. You were stuck up. And I was like, I'm sorry you think that, but I don't remember you even approaching me. So how can I apologize for something that I don't even remember I did? You know, and he so that upset me. He never wrote back. And actually recently he wrote back, you were gorgeous, amazing, this and that. And I knew it was him because I went back to the other messages and I saw that conversation we had. And so I was like, so now you like me? that one time you know it's just we're real people sometimes wow. sometimes i'm tired sometimes i had a just a bad day it's interesting how even people taking that time to send you an email maybe the perception was okay you know what i want to say hi okay but then taking the time to explain to you what happened like, it was a long you yeah, know and i've never been when people say hi to me i will say hi to them because i was that person at one point too i would see people like oh, i still am if i go you know if i see bruno mars or post malone i'm gonna be like oh, you know and you know it's it's humbling but at the same time like i'm just a regular girl that by chance is on tv I promise I'm normal. Yeah. I don't know why people think it's not normal. I mean, it's it, there's a cool factor. Let's let's also talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you of see course, them like, on TV and, you know, you so I get that. I mm -hmm. get that. I understand that part. But I try not to let it get to my head because I'm like, girl, you are just like anyone else. Girl, they probably make more than you. So don't think you're any better than anyone else because we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we talked about that. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Going back to specifically what you do right now as far as um, Weather Anchor, do you think that eventually um, there's going to be a need for humans to be uh, on air or on TV forecasting the weather or eventually uh, there will be no weather? Um, well, you know, now, I mean, social media, web, everyone goes to Facebook for their news, Google for their news. So unfortunately, our business is... I still I still think they were needed because the thing that we offer is the personality, is the personalization. And people people like that, you know, like inviting us into their home, you know, like you can't get Doppler Dave Spielman on your phone. You you know, you, his facts and his knowledge. You can if you know you see it on your phone, you have to make out what it's saying. But if you see us on TV, we try to explain it to you in easy terms so you can understand and go back to your friends and be like, well, let me tell you what I learned. Yeah, you know? and it's funny looking back at on my experience personally, I check on my phone, right? But there is something going on extreme, like oh, yeah. a that, lot of rain that's when you or, really or there's something yeah. I'm like, okay, I can see this, but I really want to hear that's about when, it. Yeah, that's when everyone turns on because you want to hear, you want to see, and at the same time, you can see what's going on everywhere else. So... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you know, people think like we could just look at it on our phone. But yeah, you don't get that personality, don't get that personalization and that explanation. Yeah. As you're telling me this, looking back at kind of like the, 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 the people that I remember from TV that that are um, weather anchors, like they looking back at the people that I remember, like they have the most personality out of like the whole newscast, in my opinion, of course, like the, the people that I remember, because you have to have that personality. Oh, yeah. Thing, right? and you, weather. And I think that's why, because I didn't study weather. I was radio, but I got good at ad-libbing and just talking to people. So they were like, you'd be good in weather. I was like, I don't know anything about weather. And they're like, we'll teach you. And yeah, obviously, Doppler Dave is a great teacher. 
And so they didn't have to teach me how to talk to people because I already did it at my last job. So we, you, have to, you have to have a personality. You have to, you know, be a little bit fun, loose. And that's why I like doing weather in that sense because it's my own show. I can say, I can say the corniest jokes, <laughs> the dumbest things, but I can do that. Do you miss the radio? Is there oh, any yeah. plans for later on maybe I going miss, back yeah. to that? Radio just didn't pay, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I loved the radio, though. I loved it because I could talk about music that so that I still had my little attachment to music when I was doing that. You know, I love talking about entertainment news, so I was able to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I miss radio, but there's no money. <laughs> At least not for the position I was doing. I was a newbie. So, you know, the ones that are there now, they worked their way up and they're able to. Continue Just like any that. other career, I'm mm -hmm. sure. Nice. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Iris. Let's talk a little bit back when you had your your, your son, Jacob. That's mm -hmm. his name, right? You were 23 at that point, yeah. right? Um, how important was the help from your parents? I know I read the um, WordPress article in 2016 mm -hmm. that, that you wrote. Excellent article, by the way. Um, you talked about different things, very important things. Uh, but I first want to talk about the support that your parents provided when you were in those difficult uh, moments. Oh, they, and still to this day, they su support me, you know, we bicker back and forth. We fight so much because sometimes I'm, we're, I'm too, we're all too similar, but at the end of the day, they pushed me to be the woman I am today. And they always tell me I can do something at 33 years old. I wanted to start a nonprofit organization. I was broke. I had no money, still don't, but <laughs> they're always there to help me out, you know, especially with my son. They understand, you know, I'm a single mom. And I and I we actually got into a disagreement because I was working too much and my son missed me and my mom had to be like, you're just not there. And we went back and forth, you know, arguing. And I just had to, you know, my dad had to calm us down. And I had to say, you have to understand that you're never going to understand. You know, my parents are loving parents, um, been in a relationship, marriage, a great marriage for over 20, 30 years. Um, I was the one who kind of, I say, broke the mold in the sense of I got married I mean I didn't get married I got pregnant while I was not married in a Latina family you know they're like what that's my mom didn't talk to me for two weeks and then she realized you know times are changing and they they kind of had to change their old-fashioned ways because you know I had a kid now and things were changing but they still changed for us and they're still to this day changing for us but they're slowly learning that you know they're never going to be in my shoes But the least they could do is help is help me out, you know, and that's their way of understanding. Well, definitely talk about your nonprofit organization, but how big were they in you creating this? So one of the things that I see here a lot is that the biggest lottery that we can win as as, as people is who we have as parents, right? Oh, yeah. Because the people that right now suffer from a lot of things being negative, um, maybe not depression, but being negative, always being upset, being irresponsible, a lot of things. When you really take a look at their situation, a lot of times it's not their fault. It's that they never had a good role model, someone oh, yeah, to definitely. help them with. So as you're talking about your parents, how big of a role did they play in the organization that you created? Oh, they, if it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't, this wouldn't have been what it is today. And I tell people that they, from the beginning, I specifically remember my mom, I posted, it first started just my cousin made a shirt for me because I wanted to post it on International Women's Day and write a motivational post, get people pumped. I posted that, then people loved it so much. Where can I get that shirt, this and that? And I was like, oh, you know what, I, maybe I'll make a few more shirts and maybe I'll share women's stories. So it went from 
a Facebook post, to a Facebook page, to a blog page, to let me sell shirts and give back to the community. And I specifically remember when I first posted the picture, though, my mom called me and she was like, well, what is this? Because I didn't tell anyone what I was doing. I was like, no, it was just a shirt that I made, a phrase um, one of my friends had um, shown me, you know, and a phrase that I grew up listening to. My mom would always call us mija, mijo, and she would always tell me, you can do whatever you want, mija, yes, you can. And she was like, I feel like, she's like, well, are you going to do something with it? And I told her my plan. She was like, I told your dad right now, this, I think this, I think this is going to be something, something big. I think, wow. mija, I think, you know, keep going, keep doing it. And she probably doesn't remember, but I, rem I specifically remember I was walking into work and I had my phone. I was, wa I, in my head, I can see it. And I was like, you know, there, but it's that energy that them, they knew, they know the passion I have. But they know that they need to sometimes push me because there's been so many times where I'm like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. It's too much. They're like, you can do it. We'll help you. And I'm like, OK, I'll pay you back. I, I owe millions. <laughs> but they're like, no, don't worry about it. You're paying us back by proving that you did what you wanted to do. Yeah, and that's so important. And, and what, I've, um, what I have realized, and, and correct me if, if maybe you think different or not, that as soon as you're getting a, in a stage in your life, uh, when you consider yourself successful, not talking money-wise, but that you have done what you want, that you have accomplished whatever you want to accomplish, definitely there is that need to want to help someone else, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think about the organization and, and what is it that you do, the empowerment, like the stories that, that people share, like she's doing this because I think, in my opinion, we don't know each other at a personal level, that she's at that stage that she's fully comfortable with where she is right now. And now she's she wants to give back. Is that the case? I guess you could. I still don't think it's hard for me to even say that I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm my own worst critic, toughest critic. I will beat myself up over things, you know, but I'm slowly realizing that, you know, I've, I've done a lot in the past 10, six years, you know, and I've learned a lot. And I've experienced a lot. You know, I'm not experienced in everything, but I feel at the age of 33, you know, I had a kid. I worked in two businesses that were male dominated and I had to figure out how to find my voice. And I feel at, I felt at that point, you know, in a sense successful, but I wouldn't say I'm really successful. I don't consider how myself successful. How do you successful. define success? Unfortunately for me, success would be um, not living paycheck to paycheck. And that's what's horrible for me. Right now, it's the money issue, you know, and you can ask anyone. They're like, oh, we always hear I'm broke. I'm broke. I can't do this. Stressed out for money, this and that. Um, so, you know, there, there'll be a point where I get over it and I realize, you know, money isn't everything. But right now I'm struggling so much that for me, I'm like, oh, I'd be successful if I could not live paycheck to paycheck. I could plan trips ahead of time and have the money to pay it. Um but then, you know, there's people who would say, you, you're successful. Look at what you did. You know, and I look back and I'm like, I did do a lot, but I could still do more. Right. <laughs> I could still. So, yeah. Okay. One, one of these days, Aside I'll, I'll be able that, to say. How will you define success? Like, let, let's say the, the money problems uh, are gone now. Mm -hmm. Would you be happy? So like if I was a millionaire? Uh, let's not call it millionaire, <laughs> but let's say that you don't even have to think about, about money. money. Didn't have to think about money. I would define success as doing, being happy with what you're doing and doing what you wanted to do. So yeah, I, I guess I am successful. <laughs> oh, look at you, no. my therapist. No. <laughs> Wait a second, my daughter's going to hear this because we talk about this all the time. I tell my daughter, I went, I graduated from college and all this, but I really don't care if she does or she doesn't. My definition of success is being happy. Yeah. Right. Um, 
So I consider myself very successful. I'm very happy. Of course, I have a lot of problems, money problems as mm -hmm. well with, with the pandemic, with a lot of things, right? But I find in the end that I'm successful because there's very few things that make me unhappy. Mm -hmm. Like very few things. I don't smile every day, 24-7. But when I think about it, I wake up saying, oh, my God. And then when there's situations, moments, I'm able to enjoy that, right? So I'm able to, I'm, I'm trying my best to just kind of like, hey, happiness for, I mean, uh, success is just being happy. Whatever you want to do that makes you happy, that's, that's it, true. right? So w when I asked you that question, I was like, I wonder that if you're doing this because you're successful, because you're happy, the project, or is this a way to get to happiness? I think it's a mixture of both, actually, because, I mean, eventually I would, I mean, I would love to do this full time because, you know, I'd love to create my own, create my own job. And that's successful in its own, you know, a, woman who realized you know that business wasn't for me i didn't like the way that was going so i said let me create something that i enjoy but that can help other women at the same time and that i can educate them at the same time on my experiences so yeah i guess it's a mixture of both yeah 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 as you're talking about this i'm like i wonder if also kind of like the stuff that i'm doing is it to pursue more happiness or if it's because I'm so happy that I just want to do many things, right? Yeah. So you got me thinking there, well, maybe we can come back to that. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really want to talk about a subject that I know of in the WordPress that you did back in 2016, by mm -hmm. the way. Um, first off, if you want to talk to us about what it is for those not, not familiar with that, and then we'll get into, I know that at age 13, you were diagnosed with depression mm -hmm. and then we'll, we'll start that conversation, but tell us a little bit about what that article was, why you wrote it a little bit more on that, please. So that one was the, I think, I'm guessing it's the one that says, hi, my name is Iris and I'm bipolar, right? Yes. Um, now I would change it because I remember when I wrote that, someone was like, no, you're not, you're Iris. Bipolar is not who you are. You're Iris Lopez and you have bipolar disorder. And I was like, you know, I didn't think of it that way. You know, you're meant and that's one thing everyone has to realize that a person's mental illness is not who they are. It's just a part of them, but it doesn't define the person. So that one I wrote, um, that took a lot of, oh, that took a lot. I remember I had it saved on my desktop forever. And my boyfriend at the time, I remember I published it and I didn't even tell him I published it, but he knew about everything I struggled with. And when I published, I was at work one day and I just had a horrible day and I was like, I'm going to publish it. Um, you know, talk about my experiences when I was younger and how I didn't know what was going on in my mind. And my parents didn't either because I come from a Latina family where just get some Vicks or take some Tylenol, drink some Sprite. You're fine. Or you're just going through your emotions. So it wasn't until I was older when I realized what, you know, mental health was and that there's, you know, something there might be something wrong with you. And I posted that in 2016. You were hold. Wait a second. Four. How old am I right now? I'm 33. Were you 27? I'm, I'm yeah, really something. bad with numbers. 26, I was in my late 26. 20s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Around there somewhere. And you had to be 28, though. Could have been 28. Yes, because you're specific about being diagnosed at 28. Okay. So, Ooh, just to know. remind you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot my age. <laughs> no, and I posted that. And I honestly, the second I posted it, so many responses came in. I thought I was going to give it. You know, you think people, you know, when you talk about it, people are going to think like, oh, she's weird. No, everyone's like, me too. I dealt with this too. I dealt with this too. It was opening a conversation that no one was, you know, everyone was too afraid to talk about. And, you know, for me, you know, that can, I guess in a sense, I am successful. I, I opened a conversation that 
many people didn't want to talk about in our business. I'm the girl on TV, you're supposed to be perfect. And I did get some backlash from bosses that say you need to, you need to watch what you post. Um, there's a fine line. But in my mind, I was like, how can we have people talk about I have um, diabetes, I have cancer, I have someone with Alzheimer's, but you can't let me talk about mental illness. That's a, Mental illness kills people, yeah. you know? So why can't I talk about it? And I'm so glad that I didn't let them scare me, stop me, and I kept talking about it. And from there, I got involved with NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. And from there, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, it, I take pride in people telling, knowing me, recognizing me by the girl who's open about mental health. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage. You also not talk about being diagnosed at 28, but you talk about your experience when you were uh, at a young age, you said that at 13. Take us back a little bit. At what age did you know that, you know, maybe this is not normal? I know you went to see this, uh, what kind of doc? Uh, it was a the therapist, or, my, okay. or actually my parents. So the stories that I remember my parents, I guess they didn't know, but you know, my parents, you know, they loved me so much. They were like, maybe we should take her to a therapist. But I was just stubborn. I was moody, ah, still am. Um, and I would just get in angry rages, you know? I had a great childhood. So it was like, what could be wrong with my childhood? And so one time I remember they were like, we're going to go out for ice cream. <laughs> and it was only me. <laughs> like, this is weird. And I specifically remember the area. It was like a place in Ciel near Cielo Vista. And it was already like in the night. And yeah, they took me in. And I, you know, I was like, oh, this is a therapist. This is weird. So there's no ice cream. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we're not going to have ice cream. I don't even remember if we got ice cream afterwards. But I just remember, you know, I spoke to her. And that's actually the only time they took me. But, but I think it felt nice to like talk about my emotions you know sometimes that's all people need you don't need medicine you don't you know sometimes you just need a talk because when you're you leave those thoughts that can just mess you up it can really mess you up yeah especially in our culture oh, yeah. um there is no such thing as hey wait before you talk negative about this person have you realized that maybe there's uh, again a condition that she's suffering from but no we we always label oh, el, el loquito la loquita mm -hmm. oh, está bien or so, so papa, like there's always something right instead of like we never had that window of hey there's a possibility that she needs help for this yeah, right that it's not her it's her mind playing tricks on her or something mm -hmm. exactly now you were diagnosed at 28 mm -hmm. um we recently had Diego Robot. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're familiar yeah, with who. That. Yeah. Uh, that he also said he was diagnosed at 32, 33, which is obviously already late. And that helped him a lot with not only taking the right medications, but being open about it. And, and he described his experience. In your case, how come it took so long for you to be diagnosed with that? And, 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 talk, yeah, and talk to us about the experience once you found out, okay, this is. Uh, it is. It's actually, it was actually a journey. Because even when I was diagnosed, I wasn't really diagnosed properly. And that's, I guess I'll get back to that right now. But I, so what kind of flared it up was, you know, after I had my son at 23, I didn't handle or deal with postpartum. My postpartum, I threw everything aside because I was a mom now. And um, I needed to suck it up and not cry anymore, not be sad. You know, and actually for since were then... Were you a single mom, if you don't mind me asking? For a few months, we were together, but okay. the relationship, you know, wasn't good. Now we are great. It took us about three years, but now co-parenting with my little boy's dad is the best thing ever. I, I wish every, every, you know, separated parent could experience that because it's a beautiful thing when you're able to be able to discuss things and just be friendly with the 
other person and their significant others. So now it's great. But back then I wasn't able to deal, you know, I was dealing with, you know, being a single mom, not being with the person I loved. And, but I think that's actually what started my, to try and not be left alone with my thoughts, work. I would just work, 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 be with my son, work, work, work. That's when I started finishing school. I would work those two jobs at the radio station at Logan's, you know, and then when I started working in TV, that's when, you know, you put yourself up there for people to judge you. And I realized I'm not okay, man, with these, you know, these comments, this work, it was just different. And it messed with me mentally so much. I would just break down at times. I would this and then. And I had a friend who was like, you should go, you know, see a psychiatrist just, you know, and he took me to the psychiatrist. He even waited there in the waiting room just in case, because he understood too, you know, people feel weird there, like you're being judged. And that's, I think one thing people, you know, now I could care less. I'll be in the, you know, psychiatrist, therapist's office and be like, yeah, I'm here because I'm taking care of my mental health. Just like we take care of our body, we got to take care of that too. So I went to a therapist first and actually now that I'm more educated on, you know, mental health and everything, I probably should have seen a therapist first because when I, I went to the psychiatrist and so, you know, gave him my symptoms and bipolar two disorders, what I got diagnosed with. I was on medication for a few years, but I noticed, you know, the medication kind of had a different effect on me. I don't know how to explain it, but it was just... Was it side effects or was it just not what you expected? It, it wasn't was... really doing much for me, but because it wasn't really treating me for the right reason. So I was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder. Then I, I actually tapered myself off of it, which there, the psychiatrist doctors will tell you never to do that. And I shouldn't have because I had, when I, I, when I stopped taking the medication, I would get numb all over my body and I would pass out sometimes. Like it was just tough. It was like, it was like a, a person who's um, on drugs, you know, how they have withdrawals. I was having withdrawals with that, but I was like, I need to taper myself off of this because I don't think this is right. And then I finally, I went to a therapist too, and she did all the tests. Like it was a process. Come back. I was in, I think I was in a room for two hours doing a test and she just spoke to me this and that. And she said, okay, I, I see signs of bipolar in you. I also see signs of ADHD. My son has ADHD. She's like, but I think your real issue is anxiety and depression. And sure enough, yeah, I'm on, now I'm on meds for anxiety and I can, I can feel it working. I don't get as anxious as much. My emotions, I'm able to handle them more. So it took from, what was it, 20, 26 to 33. It was a process, but I didn't give up on the process because I knew eventually someone's going to get it right. You know, I have to go to doctor's offices. I have to do this and that. But now I can say this is what was wrong with me but it took a while. Wow. How difficult was it with the career that you chose, what you do? Because again, you have to deal with the audience, public comments, uh, stressful deadlines. Oh yeah. And then having this condition. Well, you know, a lot of people in news have anxiety. A bunch of my friends, you know, they'll have panic attacks, anxiety attacks. You know, you just figure out a way to to deal with it unfortunately you know but sometimes there's people who can't who can't and you need the medication you know just to better yourself and for me I felt that I needed the medication because I was just too emotional you know I just and I just didn't like the person I was when I would have my moods you know when I was depressed I was mad at everyone and I was like it's not their fault I'm dealing with something so let me take care of it so I can be a pleasant person you know but a lot of people yeah a lot of people in news will 
tell you, you know, they've got anxiety. They get depression too because the business is so stressful, so demanding, and sometimes it takes you away from your family. So then it creates other issues. So, well, and having to deal with this on a daily basis, mm-hmm. uh, being on air, smiling, making sure that people are happy to, to see you on TV and that you're dealing with something that, again, not a lot of people not knew people, at yeah. that point. Wow, mad respect. Okay, so you published this, right? You, mm-hmm. you posted this. Um, what happened after that? Um, I know you told you told me about your experience at work that maybe there's some people that, hey, you have to be careful. But overall, it sounds like a lot of people were receptive, that oh, they yeah. were thankful for you doing so. And is that is tied a little bit to what you do now as well, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. No, yeah, it was more people now, more people talked about it, you know, spoke about it. I even had people, co-workers who would pull me aside because they were still, they still didn't want to talk about it, but they wanted to let me know that they deal with the same things too. And they thanked me. You know, for people to thank me for sharing my experience was a beautiful thing. And that's when I realized when we're able to relate to someone, we're able to realize we're not alone and it's okay to, that we're not okay because no one's okay. I mean, you know, you can have all the money in the world. You can have the best job. There's everyone's dealing with something. And sometimes it's the happiest people in the world that are dealing with the darkest demons, yeah. but they just don't have that person to talk to. But, you know, you got to let your demons out somehow and speaking i think to one another and relating to one another is is the safest way to do that yeah and so important and again you wanted to um of course raise awareness Mm -hmm. and making sure people know not only about your condition but it's okay like you said to not be okay aside from the medications what else do you do to help you with uh cope with with the bipolar disorder what else do you do um i wish i i wish i could say you know i work out, run, this and that. <laughs> but honestly, it's um, it's keeping myself busy, which sometimes isn't good because sometimes I'm too busy. But when I'm not busy, I'm left alone with my thoughts and I just start thinking, oh my God, this and that, you know. Um, so when I created Me How Yes You Can, it's actually, it's a form of therapy for me, you know. Hoping it's it's stress, yeah, yeah, it's stressful. It is stressful, I can tell you. It is a more than a full-time job. But it's rewarding. And I know in the end, you know, for saving someone else's life, for helping someone else, then I'm doing my job. I'm, you know, it's working. Yeah. And it's funny how people that, again, just like you said, very su- successful that in the surface, business owners with a lot of money, we all have the same problems, sometimes even worse than the problems that we have, right? Yeah. But then we just see a picture or see one side of the story, the big house, the successful business. But then we don't see that there's a whole lot of oh, a, yeah. like a story behind that. And when when people such as that like want to share that, that for me is success in its own. Just like you said, because you were able to do something that not a lot of people yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I appreciate that for sure. Um, hopefully we can come back to that because I know that again when, when when Diego shared that, I know that he got a lot of comments, a lot of messages, and also I got a lot as far as you know what. Thank you for for sharing a different type of, of story, not only like the kind of like what is it that I that they do and their their goal in life, but just kind of like the real problem. So mm-hmm. I know this is going to help someone. So again, gracias. So. All right. So let's talk about Mija. Yes, you can. You created this right before the pandemic. Yeah, literally right before March 8th. And then like the 17th is when it all hit. Okay. You told us how it started, mm-hmm. right? 
But what is your goal? What is the 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 mission now? Now that you already have more than a year with it, what what is the mission of this organization? So now, I mean, our, to give out those scholarships, you know, to help women in their goals that they want, you know, that feel like they can't do it because they don't have the money. Unfortunately, you know, you need money to do a lot of things. So we want to help them in that sense and just to just to men just motivate let women know that an equal world is possible you know if we all just come together society pits women against each other you know and it took me a while to realize and when I started at tv news I was one of those girls that another girl came in and I was like you know you get jealous she's gonna take my job this and that and then I realized when years later when the girls who are my friends now Shelby Montgomery is actually our vice president she was one of my um or she is one of my co-workers there you know and um, the other co-workers there, we became friends and we cheer each other on. You know, we still have moments where like, oh, I'm jealous, you this and that. But good for you because they're not your competition. It's proof that it can get done, you know. So instead of us looking at each other as competition, let's let's cheer each other on, you know. What do you think that is? Is it our culture? Is it just it's the just dynamic? Society. It's uh, society likes to, you know, since pit, pit women against each other. You know, that's just how you know they think you even have people that joke around like "Ooh, are you mad at her because this and that no good for her but it's just it, it's just how we were raised how so it's no one's fault you can't get mad at someone for thinking that way but we can help change it and i think you know ultimately that's what i want this project to be and it's teaching me a lot i remember i said at one time i was like the miha project introduced me to me i was able to you know realize what kind of person I, I really was and kind of changed that because I was sometimes I had habits that weren't good, you know, such as I know I, I I'm still I still am stubborn. But uh, at the beginning, you know, I started it and I wanted everything to go my way. Then we started bringing more women in with different ideas and good ideas. So now I sit and I listen and I take it in and I have to understand that I'm not always going to be right that other ideas are going to be better than mine. And that's good. You know, we're, there's been so many ideas where I'm like, I would not have thought of that, you know, but imagine if I was like, no, I created this and I wanted to go this way. It would not be what it is today. It happens a lot, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And I had to learn. It's funny because Shelby, she one time told me I micromanaged. Oh, and it sticks with me to this day. And she's like, I was joking with you. And I was like, I know you were, but at the same time behind every just kidding, there's a little reality. But I'm glad you told me, you know, I, I like it too when people give me constructive criticism because I don't see that. I can only see what I, you know, what I'm doing. So I had to learn not to micromanage. And I still even say it. Sorry, guys, I'm trying not to micromanage, but can you do this and that and this and that? You know, I do it for a reason because it is still my pro- my baby and I want to make sure it goes the right way, you know, but that's probably my biggest one, trying not to micromanage every little thing. Uh, going back to the mission a little bit, tell me specifically, I know that you guys uh, help out with different nonprofit, right? You guys help out the community. Um, right now, if you can talk a little bit about the things that you guys have done already. But as I'm trying to, again, I, I research, of course, what the mission is and what you're trying to accomplish Talk to us as far as what are some specific things that you guys are doing and how can someone that maybe is not part of the organization, I don't want to be part of it, kind of like active, can I help? Help. No, yeah, of course, anyone, anyone can help. And one thing I think we take pride in is that we like partnering with other nonprofit organizations because that too, you know, nonprofits, you think they're, we're all asking for money. So you think this nonprofit and that one, you know, 
pit us against each other and it's like no we're all we all have different missions or even if we have the same mission we're stronger together so we like partnering with other nonprofits. and actually for the month of may mental health awareness month um for nami the national alliance on mental illness we're going to give back portion of our shirts for the whole month of may and then i had i created some stickers and they're just like mental health reminders all of that will go back to them so we like to help them as well and help us it helps us in the sense of the people that are a part of their organization might not know about us and vice versa so it's like when we're together we bring all of our tribes together and then it just spreads the word even more and it's just it's, i think that's something that i definitely took pride in that i was like we have to help other nonprofits because it's because of those nonprofits that i got the knowledge and the determination to want to create my own so i got to give help to them and um yeah just um creating workshops and we just had and just giving women a space to feel comfortable in we had our first virtual zoom event it was uh mijas and the margs and mijas and we made tacos um we had virtually yeah virtually so we had some mijas in the kitchen teaching them how to make the tacos and we had other mijas at a bar teaching them how to make what we call is our mijarita and it was just a way for women to relax and like learn how to make something and chat and just talk you know Right. And being with people like minded, right, that they also want to grow, yeah. that they also want to give back. And I think that's so important because a lot of times we don't realize that the people that we're around, if you think most of the people that you're around are, I don't know, maybe not good for you or or they're not um, up to no good. Guess what? Well, you're going to also be end up like them if you oh, just yeah. hang around. You got to surround yourself with people that are they don't have to be just like you, but. They kind of still have to have the same, you know, ambitions, morals, dreams. Because if you're with someone who's like, I don't want to do anything, then, well, you're probably not going to want to do anything eventually either. Yeah, that's exactly right. How big is the organization right now? So we have over 22 women um, in our organization right now, built of our executive board. Then we have our committees that have chairs and co-chairs, and then we have volunteers. So it's actually a little bit more than 22 women but like the immediate ones are 22. okay i know that after COVID, i think you want to um, open up different chapters in texas oh yeah we'd love to and we already have like mijas all over we have people in houston austin austin mijas love us california actually look at our map on square to see where people are purchasing from virginia new york washington you know ev- everywhere and so it made me happy to to know that this phrase, you know, mija, still resonates with people even out of El Paso. What is that that they all share in common? Like, it's someone that that, that it wants to be active participant or be part of the organization. What is it that they share um, that they have in common? Is it that they want to give back, that they also see a need for this? What is it that they have? No, yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, first off, they see the phrase and they're like, yes, that reminds me of grandma grandpa, tia, tio, mom, dad, or the nice little lady I used to work with at the restaurant that would always call me mija and tell me I could do whatever I wanted, you know? So they, first off, that's what everyone has in common. I noticed when we would interview them, that's the story they had in common. Then it was just, they wanted to give other women that motivation and that platform too. So they wanted to find a way, you know, and they they saw the organization, what we were doing. They're like, yeah, if I can help you, you know, do that, I want to. How are you able to manage your day job, your son, and this? I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, tequila. How are you trying, <laughs> by the way? Um, how am I? Um, I just got a calendar. <laughs> so that that's a start now for me. Now you're saying no to stuff. Yeah, I'm saying no. See, I'm, mm -hmm. it's baby steps. That's yeah. what I tell my parents too. I'm like, I'm learning. You know, it's baby steps, but I'm slowly but surely. You know, it's just time management, but I'm still not great at it. You know, but I find ways. But now I'm able to do it more because we have 22 women. So now, um, you know, we'll get other podcast requests or something. Like, hey, take this one. You want this one? You know, you know the mission and everything. Okay, yeah. Or there's an event. Take this one. I'm learning to give. Because at the beginning, I had to be, I wanted to be everywhere. You know, like, oh, they're inviting us. Okay, I'll be there too. And I would make it happen, but I was stressed. Now, I'm like, you don't have to be everywhere. You know, now you have mijas that know the mission, know the organization. They can go speak on your behalf. And I trust them all to do that. So that's helped out a lot. Definitely. Or do you see this going in three to five years? Three to five years. I would say at least in five years, I would hope we would be able to start. We would have a chapter elsewhere, like an actual, you know, what we have here, 22 women committees. We'd have that established out of town. You know, for me, sometimes, you know, Austin, I say that only because I see so many orders in the Austin area. You know, I'm the one that's, you know, tracking them when we get them. And in that area, we got a lot of people that, I guess that's because people from El Paso move over there too, but also because the culture there is still. So I would love to have, you know, other it's chapters. a girl. Yeah. Okay. What can I do as a guy that, aside from buying a shirt to help out, uh, what else can I do? Yeah. And we get guys that, see, and that's why we're women empowerment. But by the way, not volunteering. Don't say volunteering. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Because no. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to. No, just, it's honestly just spreading the word. You know, I, the, the guys who buy the shirt, just they just wear it to the grocery store. They wear it with pride. And I see some of my coworkers sometimes walk in and I see them with it. And I'm like, oh, and they're, they're like, what? It's like a regular outfit for them. And they, they love it too because they get people that are like, why are you wearing that shirt? You're a mijo. He's like, no, but I empower women. It's showing that I'm a man and I empower other women. So, you know, just showing support in that sense, social media, spreading the word, you know. We'll have events where it's, you know, men and women, men come out, you know. You, you said you have a daughter, right? You know, that's probably the biggest way, just showing her Like, yeah. look at there's this organization that says you can do it. You can do it. No, trust me. When she says it, she's going to be laughing. Because one of the things she asked me when I talked about kind of like the, the idea, I have custody of her. So it's just my daughter and I mm -hmm. for nine years already. So I'm big on, on confidence of, of yes, you can. Because I think that anyone that is successful at anything had to be confident at one point. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the entire life. So mm -hmm. for me, confidence is big. Because oh, once yeah. you believe in yourself, that's it. And when I... Take a look. Again, not an expert. Or I'm not God or anything like that. But when I take a look at people that are struggling with anything, with with a job, with with being happy, with being whatever it is, you know what? There's many factors, of course. But one of the main ones is that they never were confident, right? Oh yeah, confidence so, is key. Trust me. That's. Let me ask you this. I know you have a son, but this is one of the questions that I ask um, most parents. As far as I'm, extremely confident person, but my daughter's not. She's she tends to oh. be a little bit shy. My, yeah. Uh, I don't know if like where is the line of okay that's normal, or how can I help my daughter be more comfortable? 
and actually my son's dealing with that right now and it's weird because he's dealing with weight because he you know gained a few um pandemic pounds we were at home and i actually blame myself because i'm like i was just buying junk food we were but we were enjoying ourselves you know and he still has fond memories of the beginning of the pandemic because he's like mom we would just hang out and eat this and that you know but now he's like mom i'm i'm fat and i'm like you are a, 10 years old why are you even thinking about that? I didn't even think about that. But at the same time, I didn't have to. I was a stick when I was young. So I, and it like opened my eyes though, because I was like, how are you? But then he would tell me too, because at the beginning I had gained weight too. And he would hear me t talk about it. Like, oh, I'm so fat. Oh, I'm, you know, I didn't think he was listening. And he heard me put myself down. So he's like, well, you always say you're fat. And I'm like, so that kind of helped me because now uh, he'll say something and I'm like, or he'll say something about working out. And I was like, I'm fine. I love my body. I'm good with it. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I have to walk. They're listening. Yeah. They're listening to everything and they mimic us. So now I have to positive, positive reassurance. Yeah. Tell them, you know, and I hate it. Some, cause sometimes I'll be like, oh, look at you. Are, you. are you losing some weight? And I'm like, I hate that I have to say that to a 10 year old, but you'll see it in his face. And he's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, good for you. You know, because I don't want him to change how he is as a kid just because he thinks. It's it's so difficult to be honest because again, that's I'm a confident person. But okay, how can I help my daughter build up that confidence? I'm like, I don't know, because it's not as simple as hey, you be confident, right? Because then sometimes too, when you talk, you can do it. Yes, they might think of like. You say that because you don't have to deal with this and that. So it's kind of relating too with yeah. him. I'll relate and be like, yeah, that would happen to me a lot too when I was younger. You know, people would pick on me, this and that. But this is how I overcame it. And just positive reinforcement, like just positivity and reminding them that, yeah. you know, I love you no matter what, unconditionally. No, trust me, we have very deep conversations, my daughter and I, on, on many topics, right? Um, but then I, I'm always positive, always the hard work, this, this, and that, right? And it's funny how even though she hears me 24-7, sometimes I have a guest such as Elias Parsa that says maybe the same thing that I always tell my daughter, and then that sticks to my daughter. Mm -hmm. So, again, going back to one of the things that I'm, I'm trying my best is to invite more more, more um, it, role models here in El Paso so she can see, hey, look, not not only her, of course, but anyone listening or... or um, yeah, or uh, here in the podcast, uh, watching the podcast, they can also take something back. Because again, all I'm, I'm trying to do here as well, aside from having conversations with great people, is for people to get a different perspective from someone. Oh, yeah. A lot of times we were raised a certain way. A lot of times when we have problems, we usually run to, we, we talk to, if we have problems, I talk to my friends and family, right? Mm -hmm. The only problem with that is that if my if they're my friends, for example, they have the same mentality somehow, yeah. some way, right? So they're not really gonna offer me a different perspective. That or that's what afraid, I need. They're afraid to hurt your feelings, and you know, which is understandable. Exactly. So what I'm trying to do is, well, hopefully, someone can hear your story, what you're doing here, a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Maybe again, just a different take instead of the, the the usual friends and family that maybe again it's not kind of like the, the um, I'm not gonna say it's not the best or that we here speak the truth because that's not the case but as long as they're able to hear a different perspective a lot of times that's where a lot of people benefit from oh yeah definitely and yeah well like little girls they're they 
They can't really take the advice from from men because, again, you have to understand that you'll never understand mm -hmm. being a girl and vice versa. I have to understand that I'll never understand what it's like to be a little boy. Te cambio el niño si quieres. No, I'm, I'm good with my little boy because if I had a girl, we would be crying all the time. <laughs> well, actually, me and my son still cry all the time. But yeah. So, so it is good. She has to see, you know. So don't get like offended when she listens to a female say it, not you. Be thankful that, you know, nah, yeah. in the back of her head, she's like, my dad told me that too. But I see her because she, you know, she looks like me. She's a girl. So I'm going to take it from her. But I know my dad told me that too. That definitely helps me. Trust mm -hmm. me. Thank you for that. Now, staying in the same subject, as far as El Paso now, El Paso woman, what is it that you think now that people reach out to you, um, not only for the organization, but I'm sure now being a public figure, a lot of people, women in, in, in El Paso specifically reach out to you. What is it that you think that El Paso women need more help with? Is it, and what I'm talking about, is it like role models, motivation, having that perspective of, you know what, anything is possible. What is, it that, what is it that you think that we need more help with when it comes specifically to empowering women? Um, I would think role models that can relate to women, you know, that can show their real side and show, you know, I'm good at this and that, but I also struggle from this and that because other women, I know for me when I was growing up, I didn't have, you know, people I would see on TV weren't people that I thought I could relate to at all. So when I knew when I wanted to be on TV, I wanted to be myself, you know, corny, funny, dorky, sometimes say things I probably shouldn't have said. But if people can relate to that and find, you know, just real people and be able to feel comfortable to talk to the other people, I think that's I think that's what we need more of, because I still love it when I meet people that I'm able to relate to. Or I meet other girls from other TV stations and I'm like, oh, my God, we're just like each other. It's just nice to, to have someone to feel comfortable with and not feel like you have to be competition with one another. Uh, and you said it best as far as being able to relate to that, not only in, in, in the point that, again, there are maybe were... Um, most women want to be career-wise, money-wise, but also that they see the flaws and the things that yeah. they struggle with. And that's what I think makes they a good see role that model They want to see that, you know, it, they overcame that struggle. Well, I can too, you know, I, I can. They did that. They went through this challenge. I'm going through the exact same thing. It can be done. I can get over this little obstacle in life. Nice. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation. Me too. It is. Before I ask you my last question that mm -hmm. I ask everyone, anything else that you want to talk about either, Mikhail, as you can, uh, maybe about mental illness, anything that maybe uh, we missed today? Um, I think we, we got it all. I would just say, yeah, time's tough right now. Everyone needs to be there for one another and not... How did COVID affect you specifically? I think it honestly made me a stronger... Like, I look at the silver lining of things. I think it made me a stronger person. It made me... I wasn't afraid to speak my mind. I guess because I was when I would speak to my bosses, it was always over a phone. So I was like, I can do this. I can tell them how I really feel because because when I'm in person, I cry when I when I get um, and I'm not crying because they made me cry. I just get so overwhelmed and I just cry. So over the phone, I'm like, OK, I'm crying, but I can cover it um, more, more outspoken, more opinionated. But I I think I'm, I'm, sh I'm a stronger person because I had to be, you know. We, moms had to turn into teachers dads did too had to turn into teachers we had to be creative a lot of podcasts came out of it too i mean yeah, which is nice because did. people were able to use their creative side 
you know, so I think, yeah, the pandemic made me creative too. I had to find creative ways to do the news, do the weather. And, and it made me appreciate life and my son, you know, can't take that stuff for granted. And I think that's for everyone. We were all able to appreciate that. You know, we miss our people. I missed my friends. And it's like, okay, I promise I won't cancel on our dates anymore. Uh, I still probably will, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, thank you for sharing that. Now let me ask you my last question. Okay. Give us one thing that you love about El Paso, mm -hmm. and it cannot be food because that's a given, of course. Mm -hmm. And one thing that you will maybe change or improve about our city. Hmm. One thing I love about El Paso, I love the, I don't, how do you say, it? I love the family. It's like a family. El Paso is really a family. I mean, and we experienced that on August 3rd. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't personally know any of the people that passed away that were victims, but I felt like I did. I woke up that next morning hurt, like some, a part of me was gone. And I think that's how everyone in El Paso felt. It is a family, but you know, families fight. So sometimes we don't agree with each other and, you know, but we're all still one big family. And we love saying, I'm from El Paso. You are too. Oh, my God. You know, so I think I love the culture and just the togetherness about El Paso. Yeah, well said. Okay. What is one thing that you maybe want to change or improve about our city? Um, the way people talk about single moms. <gasps> oh, you're from El Paso? Oh, you, you probably have a kid, huh? Yes, I do, you know, but <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll see like social media posts from pages and they talk about the way, I guess the way people talk about women here in El Paso, you know, El Paso women are beautiful, strong, opinionated, sometimes a little bit spicy, but that's why you love us, you know, and stop speaking about saying everyone in El Paso has, has a kid. Okay, maybe most of us do, but what's wrong with that? Oh, child support, this and that. I don't know. That that aggravates me because it makes women that do have kids feel like, oh, I'm just another statistic or, oh, I'm, no one's going to love me because I'm that typical El Paso girl. And I don't think, I don't think we should make women feel like that. Wow. That's such a great thing you just said, by the way, because I agree with you a hundred percent. Not only that specific subject, but I see a lot of pages that they're pretty funny a lot of times. But they don't understand that there is a maybe a 17 year old, 18 year old that hasn't molded their their mind. And if we continue talking about let's let's bring this as an example that oh you know past single moms whatever it is. Wait a second, you calling that out? First of all, that's not accurate. Mm -hmm. That's the way you think about something is your perspective. That's the your worldview, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the reflection of your thoughts of your reality. Right. Number one. And number two, the fact is that, you know what, by us, again, showing or talking about that, like then we're just painting one picture for someone that's not able to tell the difference that, wait, what is the problem here? We're, they're create and they're creating the stereotype. Like how I said, the stereotype of pitting women, you know, society that was I don't know who started that one. So we can't blame anyone. But here in El Paso, we can end that by, you know, sometimes, yeah, some of the posts are a little bit funny. You know, we laugh. You know, because I'm able to laugh at myself, but because I know I'm not that, you know, that stereotypical person that they say, you know, but there might be someone else, you know, a young person who does get pregnant, is single and like gets depressed because they're like, everyone's going to think I'm that girl. You know, it's being a mom is a beautiful thing. And if you're a single mom, you're a superhero. So yeah, own and, it. And, and we're not even tackling the main, the, the main problem because there is a problem with it. I have my kids very young, mm -hmm. of course. 
And the main problem is not only education, but also understanding what is out there in the world that there's aside from college, aside from that, there's so many things to see. So maybe I needed to wait longer. I mean, there, there's so many other things that we need to fix, especially you guys, because again, the girl, the single moms, it's not themselves only, yeah, right? Of course, it, it, there's so a then, double standard. It right, takes we, two to tango. I didn't make this I baby on my own. Right. There, there's so many things I wish we could. Yeah, maybe definitely. we're going to definitely talk about the stuff like this later on. But you're absolutely right that the same thing applies in principle to a lot of things. If we show just one thing of something for a lot of people that don't have their mind together, they're going to think, oh, okay, then this is El Paso. If we just show a lot of people just drinking, uh, drinking and driving, guess what? El Paso is all about that's drinking and driving. Yeah. Wait a second. There's so many things that's your, uh, you're just... I don't know if the, the right word's exposing, but that's just your reality right there. Yeah. Uh, the people, and this is something that we have said many times, not only myself, but other um, guests, is that the people that say, there's nothing to do in El Paso, there's nothing. No, wait, wait a second. There's so many things going on. It's just the reflection of you yeah, have nothing to do, to. that your ideas are limited. Your friends, your circle, that's the reflection of you. Of you, definitely. And the same thing, again, with how we talk about certain things. That's your 100%. That's your reflection. And some of those people probably don't never even had kids or nothing. So it's like your uh, opinion doesn't even matter. And even that, a lot of them did. And they still decide to just continue that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, interesting. Maybe they're covering up something. They're trying to act tough when deep down inside. There's they're hurting. so many things. <laughs> every time I ask this question, my, my, my last question, like if you were to ask me, I agree with with the, the what I love about Paso, the community sense of that. What is it that I think it's one of the the biggest issues of, that I would change and improve is the emotional intelligence that we have, right? How many people you see that maybe have doctorate degrees, that they're super smart, this and that, they make the millions, but then they get a divorce and they're gone. Depression, a lot of different factors, or maybe that person that it's always negative on social media or that person that's always posting about like everything that they do that they need to call out for attention wait a second, there's, there's a need for emotional intelligence. But again, oh, yeah. it's not their fault. The truth is that they never had that person to help them out through that, like that, at that yeah. age. To be their person yeah. to go to. But mm -hmm. when I got passionate about that uh, last piece <laughs> that you said, because it was so good, by the way. Hopefully we get to talk about it later on. Yeah, of course. All right, guys, that's all I have. I want to once again thank you for thank the you. time, for the opportunity. Uh, I value time. You have no idea. Today's what, Thursday, and you're with me instead of your son. I know your time's limited, so I definitely thank you for that i hope everyone um had um has enjoyed either watching or listening to the podcast any parting words that you have um never underestimate the ability of a determined woman because when a woman is determined no matter her age experience or life background it's gonna get done because mija yes you can wow that was great thank you guys <laughs> adios